0: just hi dad he's my dad james gutman what is up guys james gutman here on high i'm dad welcome it is july it is the middle of july it is right around the corner from my birthday which the older you get the less you hype it up so i'm not really hyping it up but it's almost my birthday uh, good stuff on the way. Got fun stuff with the kids. We're going back to medieval times. I'm excited. I'll be telling you guys all about it after the fact. Uh, everything's opening back up again. So it's really a wonderful time all around. Exciting. Hopefully you found me either on highpodomdad.com, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible. I printed them all out in this week's blog at the bottom. It's really amazing how many places this is available. Uh, anywhere the pods are casted, you could find this. Ask your Google. Ask your Amazon device. Ask anything to play it. You know, just walk up to somebody on the street and go, play High I'm Dad, and just see if they start reciting it. That would be crazy. You're in the Twilight Zone. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for joining me. If you are on any of those sites, uh, any of those, you know, services, do me a favor, give a like, give a subscribe, give a, uh, you know, something, something good. Do something good to it and let people know about this podcast. Let them know about the blog. Let them know about everything we do here. I love doing it. So thank you. I appreciate it. I don't know if you guys check out the blogs when they go up but i do have monday wednesday every week been going on since february of 2017 which sounds like yesterday until you really start thinking about how long ago it was i've been doing this blog hi blog i'm dad and i try to write about different things i write about you know my kids that's a big part of it i write about parenting Uh, i've had to kind of scale back a little bit writing about my daughter the older she gets i'm conscious of the fact that she's now a teenager. I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to kind of put her out there. Even my son too. And I got to tell you, this kind of annoys me. And this is a side rant I want to go on. I, I saw this woman on Instagram. She's writing about autism and about her kid. And all the pictures she posts are like of her posing, right? Uh, just kind of like her posing in, in a bathing suit or her, you know, my butt kind of pictures, you know. And she posts on the thing. She goes, people ask me why I don't post pictures of my children. And it's because I don't want to exploit them for my blog. And I'm thinking, What? Wouldn't exploitation be the kind of thing where you're you're posting pictures of your kids and you're you're posting posting them in their in their most vulnerable state? You know, I don't ever post pictures of my son, uh or my daughter, but my son especially who has autism he is nonverbal. I don't really post pictures of him In a bad state i don't tell stories that i feel might be embarrassing to him if he was verbal i'm very conscious of that things that are private i don't write about his you know personal you know grooming and sanitation all that kind of stuff completely off the table we don't talk about potty training or any of that stuff whether he is or isn't immaterial not really anyone's business but he's my son and i want to share pictures of my son and i think often people get it twisted and they think if you show a picture of your kid if your kid has, say, Down syndrome or autism or anything that some people consider to be a, you know, disability, delay, they'll turn around and they'll think that a picture of them being posted is somehow exploiting them. He's my kid. I want to show you a picture of my kid. And I think that sometimes as parents, of special needs kids, we get ourselves twisted where we feel like sharing them is almost like all they are is their quote unquote challenge or disability. So when I post pictures of my son, it's not exploiting him. It's showing you my son. He's my son. And to me, as his dad, that's who he is first and foremost. He's not a kid with autism. He's not nonverbal. He's my boy. So here's pictures of him. That said, I do post about him. I do write about him. But I want to write about him every day. That's when sometimes I feel like a little worried. I don't want to I don't want to exploit it. I want every single post to be about, you know, my kid with autism. My kid with autism. So sometimes I try to mix it up. Mental health heart health I haven't written about in a little while, but do try to keep healthy. I wrote about something different this week, something that was definitely off the beaten path. I wanted to tell a story, something I thought that was funny, uh, about awkward moments. I consider myself today not to be too awkward. I don't really get worked up, and a lot of that has to do with my quintuple bypass in 2012. I've talked about this before. 2012, surprise, quintuple bypass. Surprise, all those times where you weren't feeling right, Those were heart attacks. Um, and there I was out of nowhere, December 13th in the emergency walk-in finding out that I had had a heart attack, finding out I had to go to the hospital, begging them to give me an angiogram where they saw that my arteries were all clogged, shockingly clogged because I wasn't, I was never ill. I never had a bad report from the doctor. I had gotten EKGs and all that stuff, uh, echocardiograms and always got a clean bill of health. No one would have known if they didn't check, um, my internal you know, layout to know whether or not I was in danger. It was kind of a scary thing. And even now when I talk about it, sometimes I slow down because I think about it. I think about how close my life came to this alternate timeline that could have happened. And that's really important when I say that because I believe in alternate timelines. I've always believed in that. I believe that, I believe there's infinite versions of us. I believe that every choice we make takes us into a different timeline of where it can be. Uh, almost like a video game. You're playing Grand Theft Auto, you pause it, you save it, you play, you do all this crazy stuff, you blow up, you know, all the cars on the street, you get arrested, you get whatever. But then later on, you go back and you go back to that save point, and then you do different decisions and you can go elsewhere. And I kind of feel like the world is a matrix like that, where we have different avenues that we can go down. And I keep thinking, and I've always thought this, that in 2012... I went down a very different path. Now I don't think there's infinite ones. Maybe there are, maybe there aren't, but in the very least, I feel like major things in our lives, major decisions, uh, places we go, people we meet, you know, people we marry, people, you know, things that we do, all bring us to different worlds. So in 2012, I felt like I went on a different timeline. And with that, I started to see the world differently. And I stopped kind of worrying about things. I don't really get um, anxiety because it just is what it is everything happens everything's already happened so i don't worry i don't worry about talking to people i don't worry about how i come across sometimes i really don't even these blogs man i go out there i wrote i wrote about being bipolar a few weeks ago which was like holy crap i i just put it out there here this is my stuff and you know why i do that because i know and i've learned from doing this blog that everybody is kind of linked if i write about anything that i do if i turn around i was like you know i like to eat uh, coasters that you keep your your drinks on. You know how you keep your drinks on coasters? I like to eat those. I don't really like to eat those. But if I were to write that and enough people read it, I guarantee you at least one person will be like, I like to eat coasters. So there's always people out there who relate to you. So you don't really have to feel alone. That said, I put everything about me out there. I don't really feel anxious. I don't really feel awkward. I'm able to just go up to people. I'm able to just talk to people. I also think a lot of that too has to do with our situations. Because when we were in high school or when you were in college and you walked up to somebody, maybe a girl, if you like girls, maybe a boy, if you like boys, and you ask them out, what's the worst that can happen? They can just say, no, that's not the worst that can happen. The worst that can happen is they can laugh, tell their friends and ruin your life for the next few years that you're in school with them. So there's that prolonged anxiety that comes with that, that worry of you know, I, if I approach this person and I make a fool out of myself, this is going to follow me around until I eventually get out of this institution. But once you become an adult, once you're out of those institutions, it doesn't really matter anymore. just is what it is. You see somebody you like at a at a Target or a, a bar or Applebee's or whatever, the DMV, just walk on over, give them the old, um, I know you from, don't I know you? I'm sorry, it doesn't sound like a line, but I totally think, I, you're from my town, right? She's not from your town, you know she's not. So you could do that and it's not a big deal and then you know, even if she's like, get away from me creep, who cares, Let her get away from her creep, it doesn't matter. So you could kind of do those things and it's all good and it all works itself out. So that said, a couple of years ago and I wrote about this in the blog and I wanted to talk about it, originally I was gonna talk about it on the podcast, I ended up making it into a blog post. But on Wednesday I wrote a blog that said, suddenly I was that awkward 14 year old again. And it was about my first real prolonged girlfriend, a girlfriend that I had. <laughs> I know prolonged is kind of a, a negative term, and it fits in the situation because she was the first girl that I dated for more than just kind of a few days. It was 14, and um, and it was awful. It was awful. It was not good. Didn't go well. Didn't ask her outright. Very awkward. Uh, in the end, when I asked her, she took days to tell me. She's like, can I get back to you on that? I'm like, yeah, sure, you can get back to me on that. She surveyed people, came back and told me what they said. My sister said no, but my friend was like, "Why not give them a chance?" I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." It was very bizarre. Um, definitely, in hindsight, I was like, "What did I do?" My friends were like, "What are you doing? Why are you like? Why are you doing?" This? It made no sense. Um, didn't go well. Learned a lot. <laughs> you know, it ended really badly. I'm not going to get into how it was really bad in the end. Everything about it was terrible. Let's just put it that way. Now, keep in mind too. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Half-Baked. In the movie Half-Baked, Dave Chappelle was like, um, you know, Mary Jane uh, dumped him, this girl Mary Jane. He goes, so I started thinking about Mary Jane and then I started thinking about the girl I was with before Mary Jane and they showed a picture of Dave Chappelle with this girl and the girl was not, I mean, it was an ugly girl, but she was just kind of like, you know, she was awkward too, like he was awkward and he goes, oh man, I got to find Mary Jane. That's who this girl was. She was kind of that awkward, because I was awkward. We were both awkward at that age. But then on top of it, you know, your taste change. So the girls that you like when you're 14, you don't really like them now. That said, in hindsight, I'm not like, oh my God, I miss this girl. I don't really pine for her. I don't think about her like that. I hadn't really even thought about her in years. She's not on social media, never found her on social media. I go to Michael's. Michael's the craft store, which I rarely would go to. Michael's in my town is very close to a supermarket that I go to. So I went to Michael's first. I was still married at the time. It was a couple of years ago. It was all scrubbed out. And I went and I'm standing there in Michael's and I'm looking at nothing. Once in a while, I'll buy magnets. I like to buy magnets. And then, like, I I fix a lot of things around my house with magnets, take inside some of the things I do. I'll glue magnets onto random toys that we have and use them, you know, make new magnets out of them, you know, for the refrigerator. I have a whiteboard in my office. Um, Sometimes I put them on the back of wires, whether it's like a a charging wire, then I put another magnet on the back of my desk so I can stick the wire to the magnet. It's a whole thing. So I'm at Michael's looking at magnets, looking at picture frames. And I look over and there she is. I changed her name in the in the blog post. Uh, I call her Chrissy. So there you go. I see her over there and I'm like, oh my God. And all of a sudden it was just like I was dragged back to the 90s. Just right back, Lindenhurst High School, 14, awkward, holy crap. And I see her there and I'm like, ah, and I stopped for a second. I'm thinking like, what? what and I booked. I turned around and I walked down the aisle. It was ridiculous. And even as I'm doing it, I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, zipping in and out of aisles. I'm like, get away from this girl? She can't see me. She can't see me. I didn't look so great either. I mean, I, I just kind of threw on an old shirt. So it wasn't even like I was like in a suit getting ready to go to a, a formal event. And I waited. I'm like, I'm going to wait a little bit and then I'm going to leave. So I don't run into her, you know, just kind of like stagger a little bit. So I finally go out, and I go out to my car. I'm sitting in my car, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm talking to myself, which I do sometimes. Don't judge me. You probably do it, too. In fact, if you eat the coaster, you definitely talk to yourself. So we're all together on that. What are you doing? What are you doing? Talking in the rearview mirror, doing the whole thing. Pull my car out. I'm still, like, grumbling to myself. Oh, my God. Well, she didn't see me. Whatever. She hadn't seen me. We didn't see each other. Pull to the end of the aisle. Four-way stop sign in the parking lot. And I just look up. And to my right, there's a car. I look at the driver, and it's Chrissy. And we lock eyes, and I drop my head, and I put my right hand in the air, and I just waver on, just go, just go. I never even opened my eyes again, never looked up. And I was like, well, that was ridiculously awkward. And that's, I don't know, man. That's a reminder of who we are, I think. And I love that story, just because it was humbling. Uh, and it was really, I think sometimes we... We need things like that to remind us of how far we've come in life and to remind us of, of who we used to be. And it's also, you know, because it's easy to pretend like that's a different person. It's easy for me to look back on who I was before debate and before college, uh, you know, fraternal nonsense and before, you know, doing, you know, interviews with wrestlers on podcasts and, and, and doing all these different things. It's easy to pretend like that's not me, but it's still me. And that guy is still inside of me and he's still there and still part of the building blocks of who I became today. So that moment for all its weird kind of interactions um, really felt like one of the most genuine moments I had had with myself in a long time. Now, keep in mind too, this wasn't even like, I didn't do anything bad. In fact, I was still married at the time and I went home and I told my wife at the time about it. Like it's a funny story, you know? So it wasn't even like, I like, I hit it like, oh, I didn't even tell anybody. No, I did. I was just like, you guys are not gonna believe what just happened. I ran into this girl, this girl from high school. It was terrible. Absolutely insane. Um, I don't know. I don't know. She hears about it. She's listening to it. I'm still waiting. I'm waiting to get like that email. Like I did see you at Michael's dipstick, you know? thanks jerk but i mean in the end of the day we all have awkward moments i've i don't know if i told the story before it was one of my favorite moments with with my daughter when she was little when she was little i think of these stories when when my daughter was still tiny and they kind of pulled me back to there too and i always i always miss it we went to a fair a craft fair when she was little we used to go all these little craft fairs i would take her to uh You know, those indoor flea markets or the things where people make, you know, candy out of nonsense or whatever, or little doilies. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but we would go to these these indoor craft fairs with yarn and stuff like that. And we had gone one time to an indoor fair, and this woman had cookies that she made out of Ritz crackers, which sound terrible, right? I mean, it does not sound good. I like Ritz, which is crazy. One of my favorite... Things that people make, there's this Ritz uh, cracker with spinach thing that somebody makes or used to make at these you know family functions years ago that I always loved. Uh, but Ritz and kind of a dessert doesn't really match up. And this woman stopped us as we walked by, and she's going, she said, "Hey, oh, excuse me, excuse me, do you want to try? Do you want to try a cookie? Free cookies? Do you want a free cookie? Do you want one? It's free. It's a free cookie." So I was, I turned to my daughter, "You want, you want this free cookie?" She's like, "Oh, yeah, sure." So the woman gives her the cookie. She holds it in her hand. And as she's holding it, the woman starts to explain to us. She's like, I make these with crackers. These are with Ritz cracker cookies. And they're like, they, they taste like cookies, but they have Ritz in them. And that's the whole base of it." And she puts it in her mouth and she starts chewing. And I'm watching the, her face go from like, you know, cute little kid face to like this repulsed, what the hell did I put in my mouth face? And the woman's like, hey, do you like it? And she's like, and I'm watching, she like she's gonna throw up. Like it's awful. And the woman goes, do you not like it? And she just shook her head slowly. She's like, no. And the woman was like, oh, you don't have to like it. Okay. And then we stood there for like what felt like 150 years. But it was probably just a few seconds. And I went, okay, thanks. Bye. And we walked away. And we got in the car. And I go, that was awkward. She's like, what? What? what's awkward? And I go, oh my God, awkward is a moment where something happens and you kind of feel like weird and you don't know how to like explain it and like you kind of put on the spot a little bit. And I went through this whole thing with her and she's like, oh, and we got home, she ran in. And back then I was married and she ran in uh, to my ex-wife and she goes, uh, she goes, mommy, mommy, I had my first moment of awkward. <laughs> I've always remembered that. It's one of my favorite uh, stories of hers. And it doesn't really, It's it's a story where like you tell it it's kind of funny, people chuckle, but if you were there for it, it's one of those like it had to be there moments, really had to be there. Don't know if it translates into the podcast, but something about her delivery and the whole whole scene was crazy. We've had other moments like that. When you have kids, you go through a lot of awkward moments. So yeah, man, if you guys have had awkward moments, I mean, I really should start opening this up, letting you guys kind of comment a little bit too. I'm going to start trying to open up some questions. Maybe we'll do that. I think maybe next week, I'm going to try to think of a have a good podcast topic. Maybe I'll send out a a thing on Facebook, let you guys give some of your own comments about how you feel about whatever the question is. That'd be a good idea. Maybe we'll do that too. But yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of awkward moments that we all experience. So that was on Wednesday. On Monday, I wrote about my son. I wrote about teaching him things as a nonverbal child with autism. Now, I refer to it as special needs, and I'm going to tell you why. I know some people don't like the term special needs. I got news for you. I use the term special needs. I think it's a good term. Uh, It explains exactly what we do. My son has needs, things that he needs me to help him do, and they are special. They are unique to him. There's a unique aspect to his personality. I also like doing it because my son has autism, but he doesn't have autism the way maybe some other people have autism. It's such a wide spectrum and people get offended. So if I were to say, you know, something about helping my my child with autism through the things that he needs, sometimes you hear from people that get upset, like people with autism aren't like this. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm saying specifically people who have special needs and special needs is a wide umbrella, man. There's like lots of things. You don't have to have autism to have special needs. You don't have to be nonverbal to have special needs. There's different aspects of it and different ways you could do. So I wanted when I wrote this to be more of a catch-all for anybody in a situation where you have a child who maybe has to have help with life skills beyond the point where most people will be teaching their child these life skills, whether it's feeding themselves, whether it's brushing their teeth, whether it's brushing their hair, or getting dressed in the morning, different things that people still have to do. And my son's been doing great, dude. When it comes to, like, for example, getting dressed, he's been doing really well. I've been proud of him the other day, uh, you know, I've started teaching him really how to get his shirt off. I, I think he knows how to get his shirt off. That's, that's an issue sometimes. But even in the morning, he'll get like ahead of himself and he takes his head out and now he's got his arms kind of pinned behind his back. And I'm like, oh, dude. And then, like I pat his belly and he giggles. So I've been teaching him to take one arm out, take your head out. But we go through it together. Now, the whole point of this blog that I wrote on Monday entitled, I shouldn't do everything for my special needs child, even though I want to, uh, was aptly titled because it was true. I shouldn't do everything for my special needs child, even though I want to. The whole point of it was that all of these things would be so much easier if I just did them, you know, Uh, dressed in the morning, just yank his shirt off. Give me that shirt, you know, hands up shirt. Thank you. Uh, Or if I just squeeze his cheeks, put a toothbrush in his face and just up and down, done. We're done. Feed him. I could just feed him. Keep in mind, we eat a lot of finger foods, chicken, pizza, things like that, but on occasion, I'll give him, you know, and it's always like when I do it, I'm like, oh my God, I give him like a, like a hamburger helper or something or a rice aroni, and I'm like, why am I doing this? It gets all over the place. Even with that, I just let him use his fingers, pick it up. But I do hand over hand. And this is something that they they taught us in, in his school, something that as he progressed with his life skills, they would make markings on, on paper. This was done hand over hand. This was done helping him, you know, by watching. It'll take much longer to do these things when I... You know, do it with him. When I don't feed him, when I hold his hand and let him feed himself, when I show him how to take his shirt off and make him do it as I stand there and wait for him to do it. This thing that would literally take three seconds will take maybe thirty, maybe a minute. However long it takes, uh, taking off his shoes. I'll tell him take off your shoes. He'll look at me. Take off your shoes. We've gone through this too, where I used to always yank his shoes off. It was a whole game. He would come home from school. I'll tell you this is cute. It was his favorite thing. He would come home from school and I would go. All right, and I would take his shoe, and I would pull on it, and I would go, Hah! like that, like I'm struggling, Hah! and he loves it. He laughs so hard, and I pull, and I pull, and I pull, and I yank it, and I throw it in the air. He loves it, and then I go, <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you this. I go, S-s-s-s. and I start moving my hand around in a circle. I go, S-s-s. and I pull his sock off. I go, sock, and I start like kind of high-fiving the bottom of his feet, and he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. We've been doing this since he was little, and I love doing it, we still do it once in a while. But then the other day, I'm like, dude, take off your shoes. And he looks at me like, what? I'm like, shoes, take off your shoes. And I'm like pantomiming, taking his shoes off. And he just threw his shoes off. You let him do it themselves. Because even though it's easier for me now, when he's 20 and he's 30, and he still doesn't know how to like feed himself, let's say, I want to be able to say that I did everything I can to teach him. And I want to know that whatever progress he's at at that point is the culmination of the work we did and that he would be in a much lower spot had I not done that. I never want him to be in a position where he's 20 years old and can't do something and it's because I never let him try. I have to let him try. We do this with all of our kids. Whether your kid is nonverbal, whether your kid you know is has autism, doesn't have autism, on the spectrum, off the spectrum, wherever your child is in their life, if you do these things for them, they never learn themselves. Now the difference... Between a child who's nonverbal, child with special needs, uh, and maybe my daughter who's quote unquote neurotypical, is that they pick it up earlier when they don't have these special needs. So when my my daughter was was two, three years old, and I just said, "Take off your, you know, your your clothes, get ready for bed," she could just do it, and she would pick it up very quickly. With him, it's been years of him not knowing how to do it, of him not understanding me telling him how to do it. But eventually you cross over. Eventually there comes a point where he does get it, like the shoes. There would have been a time where i go, take off your shoes, and he would have ran away. And I'd be like, oh my God. And I mean, on a very recent, I don't even mean like, I mean like a couple of years ago. Whereas, you know, maybe a child at three can understand that. But you have to keep doing it, and you have to keep trying, because you have to know when that point comes. I've explained that even to my daughter. A lot of the things with, with Lucas that, that helps out is that sometimes I have to explain to her why I do the things we do. And I remember telling her about these life skills, which was the inspiration for this blog on Monday. I said, oh, we'll, "I said we want to make him learn these things because when he's 20, we don't want to be feeding him. And she stopped. And she like looked into the distance because she had never even thought about that. I'm like, I mean, he's already, you know, he's 10. We have to learn. And we do. And it's easy sometimes to kind of put that out of your head because I'm tired, man. You're tired. We're all tired. We're parents. We're exhausted or we're adults even. Even if you're not a parent, like, oh my God. They're grown up now. There's no more, you know, color forms. So you're tired. Sometimes you don't want to spend extra time, you know, hand over hand eating or getting them dressed and they just, just tear the shirt off. But when it comes to long term issues, do it now so you don't have to do it later. I'd rather do it now and take extra time when he's 10 than still be doing it long after, you know, the expiration date for it or even, you know, when I'm gone. I'm going to be gone one day, man. I told you, quintuple bypass, dude. Once you start having moments like that, you start to think, you know, maybe life isn't forever after all. And if that's the case, he needs to know how to do as many things as possible when I'm not here anymore. And that's my job to teach him. So I wrote about that on Monday. That is one of the most important things I've learned as the parent to a child with special needs, a child like my son, and something that if you are someone on this journey, which is kind of one of the reasons why I've started this blog to begin with for other parents who are just now learning about what they're finding out are are disabilities or challenges for their own children. There are certain things that are very important. And one of the most important things is to make sure that, you know, your child has the necessary life skills, the necessary tools for when the day comes that you might not be there to do them anymore. Because I don't know. I I do it because I love him. I'll do anything for this kid. Anything he needs me to do, I'll do. But I don't know if the rest of the world is like that. You know, otherwise you wouldn't have to pay him. You know, I don't want one day for him to be a quote-unquote burden to somebody i don't want him to you know i mean he might need help with a lot of things his sister might have to help him one day his family members might have to help him one day but i want it to be as as little as possible i want him to be independent i want him to be proud and i want him to reach his full potential and as his dad that is my job nothing more nothing less and that does it for me That's it for another week. Guys, until next Friday when I'll be back with a brand new episode of Hi Pod, I'm Dad. uh, Right here on Pod. I'm Dad.com. I'll be back Monday, Wednesday, Blog. I'm Dad.com. Tons of good stuff. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying be well. Bye, Pod. I'm Dad.